0: Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility To switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders, or having that notebook that says, passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo. Again, onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo. Check out One Password; I know you'll fall in love with it, like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection. Specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations, CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late-night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored, with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game-changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy-one-get-one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Time crafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. This week on the Productivityist Podcast, I welcome Marnie. Canfor Stewart. She's the CEO and founder of Meteor, a venture that helps teams build their capabilities for effective collaboration and productive meetings. She's driven to help others optimize their time and cultivate their team to achieve results. She's been featured in Inc., Forbes, Business Collective, and she's got a book coming out called Momentum. And we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about all the things that she's, she's working on. And the book, again, the book is called Momentum Create effective, engaging, and enjoyable meetings. So she's a, a, someone who loves a meeting. So a lot like, a lot like my producer, John Polstra. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about what to do with chronically late meeting participants, why I know meeting day doesn't necessarily get to the real problem, status meetings, and so much more. So let's just dive into this conversation that I have with Marty Kampfer-Stewart here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Mamie Canfor-Stewart to the Productivities Podcast. Mamie, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Mike.
0: So I feel kind of awkward because I'm a time management guy. And uh, I was explaining to you that I had a, a hectic travel schedule. And we signed on for this call uh, about two minutes late for our scheduled meeting. And... As someone who is deep into meetings, um, how did you feel when you saw like, where is this guy? What's going <laughs> or is that is that I guess to dive into that right off the bat, because we talked a little bit about what you do is is timeliness in meetings like there we are we are a lot of us are meeting out and then there's the whole idea of people that are, are not able to make it on time. Like what? Let's talk about that first is the idea of like being timely for meetings and how how not being timely is impactful and what what you kind of what what practices you put in place to make sure that people who uh struggle with that or maybe teams that struggle with that starting on time, how they're able to get past that. Is that a good place to start?
1: That's a great place to start, especially because uh this is a problem that everyone has, including myself. So I will say the same thing when <laughs> we were about to hop on this call. I went into my calendar and I looked at the calendar event for the call in number and I was like, um, So it doesn't say how we're going to connect. Maybe it's by Skype. I'll take a guess and log into (laughs) Skype. And I'm also going to email your assistant and see what the call number is. And so this is a problem that everybody has. And honestly, I'm not sure there's anything we can actually do about it. And that's for a couple of reasons, right? First, it's almost impossible to get from one meeting to the next when they're back-to-back. And unfortunately, many of us have back-to-back meetings. It's literally impossible to physically Get from one room to another when your meeting ends at two fifty nine, assuming it even ends on time, and the next one starts at three o'clock. And the calendar stuff, right? You're looking for call in numbers. You have to dial in. You have to wait for that lovely lady to say, "If you are the leader of this meeting, press pound." Right? <laughs> it's yep. it's so it's so impossible to move in those like so quickly to get from one thing to the next. So when we're talking about taking uh, you know a thirty minute meeting with someone you should always assume that the first five minutes are just that person and yourself also getting to the meeting. It, you really don't ever have a 30-minute meeting, even if that's what's on your calendar, because the first couple of minutes are always going to be spent as people wander in. Now, the problem of people wandering in more than five minutes into the meeting, that's where the problem really happens. And I, I've talked to some people about, well, what if meetings always ended five minutes early? I would love that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's really, that, that's really never going to happen, right? That takes so much discipline uh, to plan your agenda and say, okay, we're going to end at 225 and then stick to it. What always happens is it's 230 or 231 and you're like, I got to run to my next thing. So instead of trying to figure it out on the back end, let's just be honest and know that meetings are going to start late on the front end. That doesn't give you an excuse to run later, but It does, when you're planning your agenda, help you assess how much time you have and not freak out when somebody's two minutes late because you know they're coming. If they're more than two minutes late or five minutes late, then there can be lots of things going on, right? Like, could be that they are running from meeting to meeting and they need to run to the restroom and they just don't have enough time. And okay, on occasion that happens. But for someone who's kind of chronically late to meetings, that's where you want to step in as the team leader and say, what's going on here? Like, is something going on with your calendaring system where you're not getting the reminder, that you're not setting yourself a reminder early enough so that you have time to transition out from whatever deep work you are doing into getting ready for the meeting and, and moving yourself physically or virtually there? Uh, are you is it because we're scheduling these meetings at 8:30 in the morning and you got to drop your kid off at school and you just can't get there any faster? This happened to me last week. I had a meeting in Manhattan, I live in Brooklyn. My husband was out of town. We have an au pair and she couldn't take the kids to school because she had to be at her school. And I was like, all right, I guess it's on me that I got to take the kids to school and I'm going to be 15 minutes late to this meeting because I just can't get there any sooner. So for people who are chronically late, that's where you want to step in and figure out what's the real problem here.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the idea of the no meeting day too, because that's, so what happens is, and this is interesting because like today, I'll give you a great example. So I have um, Friday is my deep work day where I do not have meetings, but I focus specifically on deep work because by not having those meetings, so maybe there's gonna be a bit of pushback because I know you've got this article about, uh, you know, why no meeting day doesn't get the real problem. And I want to dive into that. But the like, so my Fridays, I know, mentally, like every single Friday, there are will be no meetings, there is no open availability at all for me on that day but the problem that can happen especially when i travel so i had the first two days on the road this week is that everything is crammed into wednesday and thursday of this week like tomorrow i have seven coaching calls which i normally would have spread out throughout the week so in an organization or even maybe personally why what is the what is the real problem that a no meaning day doesn't necessarily address
1: So the no meeting day addresses the problem of having contiguous time to do deep work, right? right? As you were saying, it's great to have that. What it doesn't address is the fundamental problems with your meetings. They're not going to be any better just because they're not on Friday. Mm -hmm. So if you're not paying attention and being thoughtful about why are we having these meetings, what is the agenda and what do we expect to achieve in this meeting, not just what are we going to do, which is most people are pretty good at figuring out like, okay, we're going to have a discussion about this. We're going to review that. We'll brainstorm something. But really at the end of the meeting, what will you have achieved? What's that outcome that will have been accomplished? Because the discussion is not an outcome. If you're not doing that kind of work in preparation for your meetings, then the no meeting day isn't going to fix them, right? You're still going to have just as many meetings. They're going to be just as frustrating and boring or unproductive. They're just all going to happen in a, in a, couple of days instead of spread out throughout the week. Right
0: Now, how do you get people to prepare for meetings? Because that's, that, that is a huge issue. I mean, I'm a planner. I like to plan and I like to prepare for meetings, but as you like, I, I, I hopped on today and I'm like, Oh, right. Uh, she needs my Skype handle, uh, which, which now, and actually what's funny is before, as soon as I did that, I said, okay, from now on, we just have to have my Skype uh, handle in the, in the, in the podcast notification form. So that way you, you know, guests can add me quickly without me having to respond. But how do you get people to like, I mean, people just come into meetings and they, they, they just show up, but with, but, and they figure attendance is all that's required as opposed to preparation for set meetings. So how do you get people and, and your team members to prepare for a meeting so that meetings are more productive?
1: Yeah, this is a chronic, just a really big, messy problem that we think of meetings as an event instead of as a cycle. Mm. So meetings have phases, right? The before preparation, which has to be done by both meeting leaders and meeting participants. Then there's the during in which you're engaged in the conversation and doing the work in the meeting. And then there's the after taking whatever the outcomes are that you achieve, whatever those next steps are, decisions, tasks, and implementing them and making sure that there's follow through. But it's really easy to feel like, oh, the meeting is just this 30-minute or hour-long block on my calendar and I just show up, we'll do something, and then I leave and it's over. And that's not how it works. So preparing has to happen first by the meeting leader. They need to figure out why are we having this meeting, what are we going to achieve, what are we going to do, and what should people do to prepare. So coming up with that list of questions for reflection, think about these three things, think about an experience you had that was an amazing customer experience, and be prepared to share two or three things that made it so fantastic. And that might be for a meeting where you're going to be revamping some aspects of your customer service program, right? So whatever it is, read this material, reflect on these questions, uh, think about X, Y, or Z. The meeting leader should be the one to. Present that and say, This is what I need you to do to prepare so we can have the most productive conversation. Now, as a meeting participant, if I don't get anything from a meeting leader and they haven't explicitly said, There's no pre work for this meeting, I can take it upon myself to ask and say, Hey, I haven't seen an agenda. I'm curious what you're hoping to accomplish in this meeting. Is there anything I can do to prepare? Because everybody needs to own the success of the meeting. It's not totally up to the meeting leader. So participants have a lot of power. Now, it might always feel that way because it might be your boss or, you know, a senior leader or somebody who's running the meeting. And you might not feel like, oh, I can't just like send them an email and ask them. <laughs> but you really can. There are lots of polite ways to do it. So if everybody is preparing the, it, preparing properly, that conversation will be more productive. Now, what to do when people aren't doing the work that you've told them to do? That's another issue. That's, that's a different problem. But step one is just give people something to do that will actually help them prepare. So when they do walk in, they're ready.
0: Well, let's talk about that different problem. Is that something that needs to be followed up? And that's what happens is there's all these like holocracy is a great example. I'm sure you've looked at it where the idea is to have several meet like a lot more meetings, but there's smaller groups of people that are meeting together to work towards a t- common goal. So instead of like having and, and when I worked at Costco, this would happen all the time. Um, I mean, I was sitting in meetings as the supervisor of an area that I had no business sitting in. Like, it was just, it was like, let's go around and tell everybody what's going on in your area. And there was the only relationship that we had was the fact that we were all in the same building. Like, there was no other, <laughs> there was no other correlation with all of us. Certainly there was with a few of us, but not with all of us. So, what do you, like, what do you, what are your thoughts on the status meetings? should they be kind of abolished? Should they be, and maybe some other platform used to kind of figure that out? Should they be truncated? Should they be, you know, kind of put in silos like what Holacracy does? Like, what are your thoughts on those types of meetings? Because I think those are the ones that can be the real killers.
1: Very true. That's the question I probably get asked the most when it comes to the kinds of meetings that people are going to is, like, oh, our status meetings or our weekly team meetings are just horrible. And they're like, I don't even know why we're still having them. Uh, And that's a really good question. Why are you having them? So I actually had this conversation with one particular organization last week where I said, take a step back. What is it that you hope to achieve in this meeting, right? Is this about building relationships, bringing people together, giving them a chance to see each other face-to-face because it's the only time in the course of the week that everybody's in the same room? Is this about creating shared alignments and making sure that everybody knows exactly what's going on in all the different areas of work so that the things that need to be coordinated will never fall through the cracks because nobody made time to talk to each other? is this about generating excitement uh, for what's happening in the company? And this is the opportunity to share celebrations or to brainstorm challenges together and get different perspectives. Like, what is it that you really want to happen? How can this meeting be valuable? And when I asked them this, the woman who I was speaking to said, oh, I never thought about it that way. Like we just get together and everybody gives a report and then we leave. And I never really thought about like, why, why is that helpful? And where we came to at the end of our little discussion was that it's not helpful because what she really wants is for her team to feel connected to each other. They're in multiple locations and it's the only time that they get together. And for her, it was like, oh, are there other ways I can build those bonds and those relationships in the course of that time? So instead of taking an hour, maybe we can take half an hour. Instead of doing a status report, Maybe we can do like a lunch and learn style and educate on something interesting or have different people present passion projects, do something to actually build relationships and not just be seeing each other on the screen and physically kind of time-wise together. So every team needs to have a different reason to have those gatherings. There's no one right size fits all. It's just about questioning and saying, what is it that we need to get done? And then is this the right format to get it done? So if you do need to have shared alignment, is this the way right way to get that shared alignment? Are there other ways like having stand-up meetings every day instead of an hour-long status meeting? So you have to just kind of question what's the goal and then what's the right format?
0: What do you think about meetings, the, the different styles of meetings that can take place? I know you talk about meeting personalities and we'll get to that in a second, but you know, Jason Freed from um, 37 Signals, now known as Basecamp, talks about the the standing meeting where you're standing and that way they only, they, I mean, people can only stand for so long then there's the idea of meetings where all tech is banned it's all note taking and there's no laptops no tablets no mobile devices and they are all just about you know again taking notes manually uh do do you find that that those kind of meetings? And I know we're we're not really diving into the tech here, but just some of the the the, the fundamentals, the practices. Yeah. Do you think that those kind of meetings can sh- a, a can benefit an organization when meetings are becoming stale, or even can be beneficial for organizations that are just looking to figure out? Okay, look, our our meetings are not effective. We need to figure out a way to shake them up.
1: I think of all of those things as like band-aids or like shiny bells and whistles that we can kind of play with right they still for me don't get to the fundamental problem right if everybody is bored in your meetings because the discussions aren't worth having if you haven't been thoughtful about what you want to discuss or who you've invited you just invite everybody on the team because you're like that's what we do or you don't even want to take the time to say, who do I really need to be in this conversation and who just needs to be informed, who can not come to the meeting, but I can send them the notes afterwards so that they'll know what's going on without doing that heavy lifting quote, heavy lifting because it's actually not that hard uh, without doing that before the meeting, you end up with bad meetings. So making everybody stand up in your meeting, (laughs) isn't actually going to solve the fundamental problem. Again, it's just going to make people tired. Maybe they won't say everything they really want to say, which could actually be harmful, For some people, it might be good because it'll get them to quiet down a little bit and not be so verbose. But for many other people, they might just not say anything because they're like, I'm bored. I'm tired. I just want this meeting to get over. I don't want to stand anymore. So they keep their mouth shut and you don't get the best thinking in the room. So all of those tactics are kind of fun and they're fun to play with and experiment with if you have already some decent practices in your organization around effective meetings, but they're really not going to solve the
0: problem. So let's talk about meeting personalities, because you touched on one there, the person who's kind of bored in the meeting, they don't say anything, they're not really interactive. Can you dive? I know you talked about this, we'll put the blog post up in the show notes. But what are like, how do you deal with what are they? What are the meeting personalities that you've kind of identified in your work? And then how can they all kind of work together to make meetings more effective and engaging and enjoyable?
1: So there are probably a limitless number of <laughs> meeting well, personalities, get, right? Get
0: them all out No.
1: <laughs> so some of the ones that are probably more common are like the people that talk a lot, right? That's, that's something I see a lot in my own meetings. And sometimes I am, uh, you know, that's me. So I have to check myself. Um, but especially for extroverts who think out loud by talking themselves through something, can be really distracting the conversation or kind of just taking way too much time and not allowing the microphone to be passed among other colleagues, right? The flip side of that is the introvert or the person who is maybe a little more junior and less comfortable in the setting, who's really, really quiet and almost never speaks up. And it could be because there's a verse person across the room from them, or it could just be because that's their preference or their style or their comfort zone. Then you have people who like are you know, go against everything, no matter what's being said, they're anti that they're always playing devil's advocates. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of personalities that come out in the meetings. What's important to remember is that nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, generally people aren't trying to hijack your meeting. They're not doing these things because they are bad people or that they, you know, don't care. They're doing what's most comfortable for them and they're not always aware of it. Like I mentioned before, sometimes I have to check myself because I'm an extrovert. I like to talk and I have to kind of remind myself that I can't be the first one to answer every question. So every time the meeting leader says, so who, you know, who's thinking about this or who has a response? I can't always be the first one to talk, even though my inclination is to immediately jump in. Yeah.
0: It's like the, the person in school that would raise their hand and go, oh, oh, oh me. Oh, oh. Like eventually that gets tired and stale.
1: Exactly. And, it, and again, not everybody realizes the behaviors that they're having, and they're not always intentional. So sometimes you just have to have a conversation with somebody outside of the meeting and saying, like, hey, I've noticed that you barely speak at all in our meetings. I'm wondering what's going on try and get them to open up and understand why is it that they're being so quiet? Do they feel like they can't jump in? They they don't have time. Is it because they are processing inside and by the time they feel ready to speak, the conversation's moved on and maybe restructuring your meeting so that there's some time for quiet reflection and people writing on sticky notes and then doing round robin might be a better way to engage that person. Maybe they just feel like they have nothing to say. Like I don't know why you keep inviting me to these meetings. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute, right? There's a myriad of reasons why somebody might be quiet and you can't just assume that they're doing it because they're a bad person or they, you know, don't know how to engage or they're uncomfortable. You actually have to talk to them about it and say, Hey, what's going on now? It's easier with people who are having behaviors that aren't so disruptive. It's a little bit harder and more challenging to have those conversations with somebody who you feel like is really frustrating the group, but that's what good managers do. They, you know, Talk to people about how can you grow and how can you improve your own behavior to contribute to the environment and make our work more successful as a team.
0: You talked earlier about the idea that meetings are not actually events but they are cycles so i I find that leads nicely into the idea of the book you've created because I would imagine cycles build momentum right? you know the more the you know how how do meeting cycles build momentum and then tie into because you've got the book coming out. As we're, as we're talking right now, it'll, by the time, by the time this airs, it's going to be close to, uh, close to publishing date, momentum, creating creative, effective, it's creating effective, engaging, and enjoyable meetings. That's right. Isn't it? I've got it there. Yeah. How, how do meeting cycles build momentum and then maybe dive into some of the things that your book is going to explore? Because I know, I mean, we had a product called meeting makeover that's no longer available. And my, my podcast producer, John Polstra is a meeting facilitator. He loves talk. He loves doing it. And I think he's crazy because he loves facilitating meetings. I do not. And we're going to get into why you are so fascinated with meetings in the bonus episode for our for our members. But uh, he he just it's something that he's just so uh, highly engaged with. And this this product, while we had it out there, it was like, you know, we we didn't move a lot of them. Because it, it's almost like people feel that they don't have control over their meetings, because they're either they're forced to be in them, or it's just, okay, meetings are what they are. And that's what they I mean. They're always going to be a time suck. And they're always going to be part of it. And there's no way that we can make them any different than what they are. And your book, I would imagine, strives to make that, uh, de- to debunk that and in fact, change people's perspectives on meetings.
1: Yes to all of that. (laughs) So we call the book Momentum because one of the common things I hear when I'm talking to people about their meetings is it feels like meetings are a distraction from my real work. It feels like meetings are stopping me from making progress, when in actuality, meetings should be generating momentum. Coming out of a meeting, you should be propelling your work forward because there are new decisions that are made, new tasks and assignments coming out of it, more clarity. Whatever it is that happened in that meeting should be moving your team, your individual work, your organization, whatever it is forward. And unfortunately, not enough meetings are doing that. So what we do in our book is walk through what are the problems with meetings, right? All of these kind of myths about meetings and problems that people are having with meetings. What are the real pains? What are the causes? Sorry, not causes, but what are the impacts or the implications of all these problems? So on productivity, on overall success, on company culture, all those elements that get impacted by meetings, what are the sources of those problems? So why is it that these things exist? Why is it that nobody's trained on meetings? Cause I, I always ask this question when I go in to do a workshop or a, a speaking engagement, say how many people in here have read a book, attended a workshop, took a class in college, like anywhere where you learned about how to plan and run effective readings. And it's usually one or two people in a room of 50 who will raise mm-hmm. their hand. Yet, how many of us are in meetings all the time? Right, this is one of the major pieces of work we do, and yet we have zero professional kind of official training on it. Uh, that's one of the problems that we have. So we'll talk a little bit about all those kinds of problems and the sources of the problems. And then the second half of the book is really where like the good stuff is, which is we wrote this to be an action-oriented guide. So every chapter breaks down practices that you can do before, during, and after your meeting, whether you're the meeting leader or you're the meeting participant, You can take little bits from every chapter and apply them directly into your work. So we really wrote this to be almost like a how-to book to say, here's a practice, for example, we call the desired outcome. So just starting your thinking with a meeting by saying, what's the desired outcome of this meeting? What do we want to achieve? And we talk you through how do you create a desired outcome? How do you use it before the meeting? How to use it during the meeting? How to use it at the end of the meeting? So you can immediately take these practices and apply them into your work.
0: Awesome, awesome, and the book is available. Um, well, the book will be available as of November, right? So that's what we're looking at at this point. Correct?
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: Awesome, uh, Mamie. Where can people find you and your work online? Because as you astutely pointed out, uh, meetings are 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 a massive. Uh, they're a part of our lives. They're, they're, I mean, they are, and we need to make them better. And I, and what me, you're doing with Meteor, I think, is something that. Um, is going to be is going to be really helpful. So I want people to be able to find you and and because uh, I don't want to dive into meetings anymore, because it's I'd rather leave it to the experts like you. So where can people find you and your work? I'll put I'll obviously have the book link in the show notes. But where else can people look to find more helpful hints on how to make more effective, engaging and enjoyable meetings?
1: awesome so you can find my company meteor m-e-e-t-e-o-r.com that's our company website you can find my personal website at mamie ks my name's a little weird mamie m-a-m-i-e-k-s.com and you can follow me on twitter at mamie ks or you can follow our company meteor at meteor hq on twitter
0: awesome thanks so much for joining me today on the show
1: thank you so much for having me
0: there you have it. Now you can go and have more effective, engaging, and enjoyable meetings. Thanks to Marnie for joining me this week on the show. You can learn about all the things that we discussed over in the show notes. And if you want to know more and dive into things a little bit deeper, because I do that with uh, Marnie on a bonus episode of the podcast that's exclusive to members of the Productivityist Community, uh, th- Get the Productivityist weekly newsletter because we're shifting things uh, in that realm. So uh, we're, we've got a new offering that's coming up very soon that will allow you to get those bonus episodes. If you want it for now, you could go to patreon.com slash productivityist to make that happen and learn, kind of get a sense of what's going on. But we're going to be talking more about that as we get closer and closer to now November, which is my month uh, where I really – it's it's time for not just me – Uh, as I'm two months into the year to kind of really push things forward as we head into the calendar new year. But for those of you that celebrate your year uh, beginning on January 1st, November is a good time to start that planning process. So uh, if you want to get those bonus episodes, uh, you can just head over to productivities.com, look at the membership options, and we can start to explore that together. Uh, Thanks again to Job Polster for producing the show. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to my team for helping this together. Big thanks to you for listening, though. Uh, Until next time, I am your host, Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist and the host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.